today on Anchored in the Word. God doesn't want man separated from him, so he had to make a way to pay for man's sin. And God sent his son, the father sent his son Jesus to come to the earth, not just to live the perfect life, which he did. That just proved that he is the sinless lamb of God, that he is God. And then he sent him to the cross because without the shedding of blood, there's no atonement for sin. And so there had to be someone to pay the price for the sins of the world. He was the only one that was worthy. But I'm This is Anchored in the Word, the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Coastlands in Eatontown, New Jersey, with our pastor and teacher, Bill Beckelman. Arriving at Thessalonica, Paul immediately begins preaching at the local synagogue and engaging the people with the truth of the gospel. Wherever he went, Paul's priority was to be used of God to reveal the truth of the gospel. In today's message, Pastor Bill will encourage you to share the good news about Jesus wherever you are. At the close of Pastor Bill's message, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Anchored in the Word. Subscribe to the podcast or simply get in touch with us. Now, here's Pastor Bill in Acts chapter 17 with today's edition of Anchored in the Word. We are in Acts chapter 17. We're going to pick it up in verse 1. And we're going to read down through verse 9. Acts chapter 17, verses 1 through 9. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them, and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead. And saying, the Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded, and a great multitude of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women, joined Paul and Silas. But the Jews who were not persuaded, becoming envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace, and gathering a mob, set all the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Jason has harbored them, and these are all acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying there is another king, Jesus. And they troubled the crowd and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. And so we arrived at chapter 17, and starting in verse 1, now I'll just give you some context about what's going on here. The Apostle Paul and Silas, Timothy, and some other people are on a missionary trip. Their second missionary trip, this is the first time they're going to visit for the first time this portion here. They're going to visit a place called Thessalonica. And they're, they're a missionary team, and of course, they are there for a purpose. There's a specific reason that they're there. Um, they know they're on mission. They're focused. They know what they're there for. 
And as a result of being there, some things are going to take place. As a result of their faithfulness, as a result of their focus uh, being strong and remaining, there's going to be some things that are going to take place. And I would say to you that there's nothing new under the sun, Solomon wrote, that the things that took place in the first century still take place today. That can be demonstrated. It will be demonstrated here. And, and there's three points we're going to talk about, we're going to touch on today. And, and it's going to be the first point, if you're taking note, is Christ revealed. The second point is going to be Christ received. And the third point is Christ rejected. Christ revealed, Christ received, and Christ rejected. And this was something that the Apostle Paul was acquainted with. Remember, he had just left Philippi in, in previous, you know, because they're going through the Bible. He just left Philippi. And remember, in Philippi, there was a, a woman there named Lydia. She's called a seller of purple. That means that she was a woman of means. If you, if you had purple, that was expensive. So she was probably a woman of means. And she and her whole family came to know the Lord. Also, that was, the first, that was probably the first church planted in Europe, right there in, in, in Philippi. And Lydia uh, was part of that, and, and so was the Philippian jailer. Remember the story. The Apostle Paul, as a result of his preaching, he, ended, he found himself in prison. And he was also beaten for that. And you remember that the Philippian jailer and his family, as Lydia and her family came to know the Lord. And that was the beginning of the first church in Philippi. So Paul leaves there. And now he's on his journey, continuing his, what's called his second missionary journey of four that are recorded in the Bible of Paul. And so he's on the second missionary journey. He's going to continue his journey, and he's going to pass. It says in verse 1, they passed two cities, Amphipolis and Apollonia, I think that's what you call that. They passed those two cities. For what reason, we don't know. Um, we can make, it, make some... Uh, sanctified you know, speculation, but they did. They just passed those cities, and they came to a city called Thessalonica. Now, that is the city that there are two letters written by the Apostle Paul found in the New Testament. And, and so he wrote First and Second Thessalonians, and there in chapter 2 of First Thessalonians, he speaks to this visitation that when he first came. And so they're, they're stopping at this city. That's what we see. Now, the thing about this city in verse 1, what does it say about this city? There it says there was a synagogue of the Jews. Now, there had to be a certain number of, I, I want to say it's 10 men that, that, to be able to have a synagogue, but there is a number uh, for you to actually have a synagogue, to have a meeting like that. Uh, and these were Jewish people, um, Old Testament Jewish people, and there were other proselytes, people that were there that loved God and were looking before they maybe became converted. You could go visit the synagogue and, and hear as they read the scriptures. And so it says that, Paul's, it says there in verse 2 that then Paul, he was the leader of the missionary team, as was his custom. That means that's one of the first things that he did when he, when he found a, went to a city, he would first go to the synagogue. Now, the thing about a synagogue that's uh, different from just the, the rest of the world is these people were people of the word. These people held the word, the scriptures in high esteem. And, um, and the Jews still do this by and large today. You, 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 there's synagogues. You'll notice there's a center on a. They have a scroll. Even the even the modern modern day, there's this big scroll that they that scrolls that they'll read and they'll they'll carry the scroll. You know, the rabbi or somebody will carry the scroll and it's very has a place of prominence in, in the synagogue and and they put it in a nice little you know enclosure and they'll put curtains over it and such. So they're people of the word. 
So Paul started his ministry there. When he would start his ministry, he would go there because there were people of the word, and he would then take their word, the Old Testament, and he would, from that word, as we see, he would then, it says, as his custom was, he went into them first, verse 2, and for three Saturdays, and actually started at 5 o'clock or in sundown the night before on Friday, right, and continued to sundown. So that was the Sabbath, and he would go there, and he would, he would speak. They would give him a chance to speak, and it says here that in Thessalonica, for three weeks, probably in a row, three Sabbaths in a row, he reasoned with them from the scriptures. They were already there, and I want you to know that um, the scriptures are reasonable. And, and, and by that, I mean they're, they're reasonable. You can reason. They're, they make sense. If they are what they claim to be, the scriptures, they're God's very word, inspired of God, and you know, written by men, penned by men, but they're more than just any, like any other book. They're supernatural, and there's power in those words. There's a very popular Jewish guy right now. And this, this guy fascinates me. He's not a Christian. He's a Jewish man, very devout. He wears a yarmulke on TV, and I've never seen him without it. He speaks at conferences. His name is Ben Shapiro. Is that his name? Anyway, this guy is like very young, very sharp. I mean, um, and he's a he believes in the scriptures, but he says things like this, and this is where I disagree with Ben on, on one thing. He says, you know, I don't, talk, I, don't, I don't start with someone when I, when I reason with them from the Bible because they don't believe in the Bible. I get what he's saying, but there's a component to the Bible that he's missing out on, and that's probably the case of him being Jewish and not born again, the power that's in the scriptures. It's not just the, the, the written word that's, that, that makes sense. It's true. It's all true. And, 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 of course, he believes the, the Old Testament. He believes those things. But he doesn't believe that there's power in the Scriptures, the power to persuade. He's, by the way, this guy, he's sharp. I'm, I mean, he's so sharp. He's probably going to end up the president one day. That's probably, I mean, he's that sharp. He's got to slow down his talking. He talks really fast. But if he could slow down so the old people could follow, he, you know, this kid, as he grows up, he's probably, he's probably going to become the president one day. But anyway... He's just really sharp, and, 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 and pray for Ben that he'll get born again. But he doesn't see the power in the scriptures, not just for his life, the people that believe, but the power to persuade. You can win arguments. You can be sharp about, you know, you know there are ways of just approaching things, presenting truth. But there's nothing more powerful than the truth that's found in the word. The apostle Paul knew that. What, what, what is, what's, one, what's the power in the word? What, what happens from the power in the word? Well, it says that he reasoned. Let's look at it. He reasoned to them for, with them for three Sabbaths. And the question is, what was he saying? Well, we know this about, and it doesn't say here which passages he was reasoning from. But we know that earlier on in the book of Acts, he's going to tell us in a moment what he was re- reasoning about. But we know that in Acts 2 and Acts 13, there were certain scriptures. He was, he was talking about Psalm 16. Uh, we know that because it has to be Old Testament, right? We know that they didn't have New Testament at this point. So he's reasoning from the Old Testament for three weeks. And I want you to see what he was exactly what he was talking about. Because I want to tell you, this is important. Um, we have to draw a distinction between, when it comes to the scriptures, between worshiping the scriptures like worshiping this book 
And I think that we should treat our Bibles with respect. I mean, sometimes, you know, when I'm, I'm sitting here, I'll sit in the chair here for Sunday night prayer, and I lay my Bible down, and this is not really the floor, but in a sense, it's kind of, and, I, and there's a part of me that goes, should I be laying my Bible on the floor? Now, I'm not saying that's a bad thought. I don't even know where that thought comes from, to be honest with you. But I don't worship this book. And you shouldn't worship your Bible either. But what the Bible does, it acquaints us with the one who wrote this. And it's the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we can be acquainted with God, the God of the universe, the one that we should be worshiping through this book. But we're not worshiping the book, the pages, or anything, any, anything else like that. And there's a distinction to be drawn there. But the question is, is, okay, so he's got the word. He's got the Old Testament. What is he saying about it? So he's saying about the Psalms. Let's look at it. Verse 3, explaining... The first thing that Paul's going to do is he's going to take the scriptures and he's going to explain them to the people. In other words, what does it mean? Let's read it, but we need to understand it. We need to understand what we're reading, and that's part of what what my job is, is to take the scriptures and and, and break them down so we can understand what we're reading. That means giving context and and then trying to understand. Because, you know, one, one guy said this about the scriptures. Like, we're taking nine verses out of a a lot of verses here, whenever you cut that out of its context, it bleeds. So we have to, you get the idea, somehow we have to make sure we bring in the context and break down about what we're seeing. And this morning I talked about three, three, three parts. And the purpose of Paul and the purpose of any missionary, the purpose of the church, the reason that we're still on earth goes back to the first century as we look at the, the model of the church. And as Paul is explaining the scriptures And then he says, he takes it a step further, and demonstrating, explaining what it says, and then demonstrating. To me, that means this. That's taking it to the level of, you know, walking this out. In other words, if the scriptures are what they claim to be, written by God, that means this. Then that means that they would have an application for today, even though we're 2,000 years after this was written, probably, close to it. If these things are true, if they're really what they claim to be, then it should be demonstrated today. That makes perfect sense, right? And Paul was demonstrating to them the Old Testament, which was written longer than than the New Testament ago. And what was he demonstrating? What what was it that he was talking about? Because this is important. And this gets lost in pulpits every now and then, hopefully not. It gets lost in this pulpit, hopefully not. But the idea is it's not just about... Um, we're not just here to talk about God or, um, or to talk about doctrines, which would mean, you know, ways to interact with God. We are, we are here, as it, as it says, Paul was on his missionary journey. Look what he was explaining. He was explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ This is a mouthful for the Jews because these guys were looking for the Messiah. The Christ means the anointed one. They were looking for this person, for this man. They were looking for this man to come onto the scene. They were waiting for this Messiah to come, and they were looking, checking him out, for looking for this guy. And and by and large, and even the disciples thought this, that he was going to come to the planet and and set up his kingdom and, and overthrow the government. He was going to be 
his kingdom was going to come to earth and he was going to set up his government on earth and they were looking for a Messiah to do that. Now, he is going to do that. And so they're correct about that, but that's yet to come. That's going to be in the second coming of the Messiah. But when, they, when he came back, it, it, and, and again, and you'll see this in the Old Testament in uh, Isaiah 53, Psalm 22, um, that he was going to come and suffer. This is important. The Messiah was going to come and he was going to suffer. Now, but I want you to see something. Um, that what he is doing, what Paul is doing, is not teaching, he's not teaching a religion. He's not teaching just good living. He is teaching about a person. He's talking about a person in, in, in the scriptures because his Paul knows that if he will talk about Jesus Christ, God will do a work in people's hearts right in his midst. He figured that out because there's power in the name. We sang that song, remember? There is power in the name of Jesus. That's true. That is true. And so Paul knew, and he was going to preach. He was going to preach the scriptures because he knew that Christ was going to be revealed. Point number one, that Christ was going to be revealed in his glory and his mission. Because Christ had a mission. When he came to the planet, and do you know, and I don't know you know this because you hear this, is that Christ came to die. That was his first mission. He just didn't come here to show people what a good life looks like, how to live a life of perfection. He's the only one that's done it, by the way. And there are people walking this planet that are trying to be perfect. Sometimes they admit it by saying, you know, I'm a perfectionist. They're, they're, they're trying to live the perfect life. I'm going, to hear, I'm going to tell you, folks, this is what the scriptures say about you and me. Everybody but Jesus, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's only been one perfect person. There's not going to be another one besides him. So you give that one up. You mean, I'm not supposed to live the perfect? No. What we're supposed to do as we talk about Jesus is understand that he lived the perfect life. The one who knew no sin, it says. That means he, he was perfect. The one who knew no sin became sin for us. He came to die. Well, die for what? Well, this is the problem, right? There's a sin problem going on in the world. Adam and Eve, as a result of original sin, they, they sinned against God. It says sin came into the world, and as a result of that, death. And we still see that. We see death, don't we? People die. And, and so sin had to be dealt with because the wages of sin is death. Separation from a holy God. And God doesn't want man separated from him, so he had to make a way to pay for man's sin. And God sent his son, the father sent his son Jesus to come to the earth, not just to live the perfect life, which he did. That just proved that he is the sinless lamb of God, that he is God. And then he sent him to the cross because without the shedding of blood, there's no atonement for sin. And so there had to be someone to pay the price for the sins of the world. He was the only one that was worthy. You see, you're not worthy to pay for your own sins. Now, if you die in this life without receiving Christ as your Savior, you will pay for your sins in the sense that you will be judged. But you're not good enough to die for your sins so that you can be righteous. Some people are trying to do that. They're trying to make up for the sins that they did and to try and save themselves, not possible. Paul was teaching this. He was teaching the very simple message that Jesus is the way. He is the Messiah. Now, I want to say this to you. And I, I, I don't know if this is revelation to you or not, but I believe that Jesus Christ is the answer 
for every problem in the world. Wow, I'm not alone in this. No, seriously, you guys believe this too. All right? So we believe that. Now, we see it in our government all the time. And, we, you know, some people believe that, the, for example, the, the, the way to really um, is not to have a deficit. If you get rid of the trillions of dollar deficit, that is kind of like going to fix a lot of things, right? And I'm not saying, I don't think you should. It's, it's a biblical concept not to go into debt. But if somehow, miraculously, we got everybody to give up their salaries for 100 years and we paid off this, whatever, this trillion dollars, $20 trillion of money, it's a lot of money, folks, and we were down to zero, you think that would solve our problems? No. No, it wouldn't. That's a distraction in some ways. Now, I'm not, again, hear me on this. I'm just saying that the answer to man's problems, whether it be wars and, 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 and lifestyle, is I've seen it in my own life demonstrated. Jesus changed my life. I just, I had a lot of, I still got problems, but the idea is I know who has the answers for my problems. They're found in Christ. Paul believed that. And he knew that if Jesus was revealed to the people, it would change who they are, who they, it's who they were. And you think, well, did they really need to see about Jesus? These guys were religious already. They needed Jesus, just like everybody does. And so we see that he spent his life going around seeing that Jesus was revealed. And he did this through the preaching of the word, explaining, it says, and demonstrating that Christ, that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead. The Old Testament declares that. In Psalm 16, it says, the Holy One will not see corruption. In other words, Jesus, even though he was going to die on the cross for the sins of the world, he was going to get buried. He was never going to, his body was never going to decay or rot. There wasn't enough time. He was raised from the dead. And, 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 and he is alive today. And that's what those scriptures spoke to. But I want you to know something, that this idea of Christ is not just um, information that's passed on that automatically changes someone. It's more than that. It's transformation that needs to take place, not just information. It is information. The good news about Jesus is information. But it's got to be accompanied by the power of God, which brings transformation. And that's what we see here in chapter 17. We see a, a loyal subject, Paul, who, who realizes the power of the gospel by preaching the word. And we see God's hand, God's interaction, as Paul is explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead and saying that Jesus, whom I preach to you, is the Christ. The birth and growth of the early church came about because of one thing, the influence of the Holy Spirit. The apostles who had followed Jesus were no more than human beings, not suited to lead a movement or even stand for very long against persecution. However, as soon as the Holy Spirit came on the scene, all of that changed. Peter, John, and the rest of Jesus' devoted followers stepped forward boldly, declaring the truth of the gospel and changing hundreds and thousands of lives. Their courage continued when facing intense opposition from religious leaders, even to death. They knew the truth. How could they stay silent? Today, we too know the truth. We have the early church's example to follow as to what faith can do. And we also have the Holy Spirit on our side. 
With his help, we too can step out in faith and boldly declare the gospel message with the world. We hope today's message from the book of Acts has lit a fire in your soul and brought you closer to your Savior. If you'd like to hear more from this series, we encourage you to visit our website, anchoredintheword.com. In fact, you'll be able to find several additional teachings from the Bible at this website. We encourage you to share them with friends and family you feel would benefit from hearing them. That's all we have time for today. We pray you continue to seek the power of the Holy Spirit as you walk through this life and that you continue to be more sound doctrine and anchored in the Word.